What do you think the average person in this country who is not a Christian would say if they were asked, describe your opinion of a Christian? How would you describe Christians? Now think about it. We're talking about the average person in this world, in this country, who is not a believer. They don't go to church. How would they describe Christians? Now I want you to think for a moment. There's a lot of people who do not know Christians. And here in the South, we may think, well, everybody, even non-believers, even atheists know a lot of Christians. Everyone does not. Many people live and function in circles of unbelievers. So what they know about Christians is what they hear, what they read, what they see from a distance maybe. Well, according to Tom Rainer. The former president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Lifeway Christian Resources and Lifeway Research. His research teams found this response of non-Christians when asked, what do you think about Christians? Rainer and his team summarized it like this. Christians are against more things than they are for. All the responses that they got, they described it this way. Christians are against more things than they are for. That's how unbelievers think. Now, Rainer quotes one unbeliever in how they responded to the survey. Look at it. It just seems to me Christians are mad at the world and mad at each other. They are so negative. They seem unhappy. I have no desire to be like them and stay upset all the time. Now that's just an opinion. What somebody thinks. Let's go a step further. How do you think most non-Christians would describe Christians right now as they observe our attitudes, words, and actions during this year's election? What do or would unbelievers around here say about our church? Now, when I say our church, that's us. <laughs> what would they say about me if they've heard me preach over the past three months? And then what would they say about you if they've had a few conversations with you about what's going on right now? about the political landscape. Now hold that thought. Hold that for a moment. I want to switch gears and ask another question. If you could use only three words to describe how the Lord wants people to view us as Christians, what would those three words be? Now just think. What would Jesus or how would Jesus want people to describe us, his followers? And let's use three words. In terms of our character, our speech, the way we interact with them. Well, I think a strong case can be made from the life and teaching of Jesus for these three words. Love, grace, and truth. Now, I am positive, absolutely sure that love 
is at the top of the list because that's what Jesus actually said in John chapter 13. Look at this. This is how Jesus wants us to be known. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. No doubt, Israel, our Lord and Savior has called us to be known for demonstrating love, really in everything that we do, but especially for one another. I think that applies to our discussions of issues. The way that we present our views, defend our views, politically even. Now you might scratch your head, think for a moment. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't discuss politics. You can't discuss the issues of today with an attitude of love. Well, it's hard, I agree. But it's not impossible when you understand biblical love. Jesus did it. He perfectly demonstrated the qualities of grace and truth throughout his life here on earth as John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel. If you would turn to John chapter 1, because we're going to look there this morning. And as you're turning, I want to point out some things. Over the past three months, we in these studies on Sunday morning, we have looked at some of the most controversial issues of our day from a biblical perspective. I did the series calling Thinking Biblically, and we tried to think biblically about a lot of different issues, hot-button issues of today. I began back in July emphasizing how we need to support law enforcement. God has ordained that government Romans chapter 13, keep order that the government punish evildoers, wrongdoers, reward good behavior. And we talked about how law enforcement officers, they enforce that law. They're the ones actually on the ground, government agents, so to speak, to keep us safe, to punish wrongdoers, lawbreakers even to reward those who do what's right. Well, we looked at that in a lot of all that's going on today. We looked next at a biblical view of race. Hot button issue, isn't it? Well, we looked at some of the things the Bible teaches about race. Then we looked at the evils of socialism over about three weeks, how that is not a system that God approves. It's not how God designed for people to take care of themselves and their families. We've also looked over these past three months at such issues as the sinfulness of homosexual behavior, how same-sex marriage violates God's design for marriage, and how transgenderism is just not real. It's not how God created people. He created people male and female. Now, I tried to address each of those issues from a biblical perspective. And I 
make no apologies for any of those messages. I affirm each one. As I prepared this message, I thought about saying, I support every word I said, but I probably said some words. I know I let some come out that I wish I could have taken back. The words, but I make no apologies for those messages. And everything we looked at in Scripture, it is true, it is right. I affirm each one. I am glad that they're available online for anyone to see. Now, I know that 90-something percent of this church believe with me what the Bible teaches on these issues. But I also know that while I was excited, even zealous at times in preaching on the truth of God's Word about these issues, I need to be equally zealous in preaching it in a loving and a gracious way. Because that's what Jesus did. I mean, he was firm, hard at times, called a hypocrite a hypocrite. But Jesus, that's the loving thing when you point out error in evildoers. It's wrong. It's not an act of love to let it go, to pretend something does not exist. Jesus demonstrated a perfect balance of love, grace, and truth throughout his life, throughout his teaching. I want you to see where it begins or where the description begins in John chapter 4. And what I want us to do this morning is see what we can learn about being the Lord's faithful representatives, witnesses in today's culture and doing it both graciously as well as truthfully. John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This is John the Baptist. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Let's think together. What is grace and truth that Jesus demonstrated that we're to follow suit with? Let's look at grace first. Outside the New Testament, this word in the first century, this word for grace referred to something that caused joy. It was used to describe something that was attractive in a person something that brought brought pleasure to others. It could be a simple thing. Somebody's gracious. Uh, Their smile brought joy. They're they're willing to help. Their word of wisdom, word of comfort, just whatever. Outside the New Testament, this word grace, when John was writing... It was used to describe something that was just good and positive, attractive in another person. It came to have the idea of a favor or a kindness that was done to another person. 
Well, New Testament scholar Leon Morris says that this idea is included in the New Testament word grace, but the New Testament emphasizes a different aspect of the word, undeserved favor. More specifically, the undeserved favor of God. You are aware, know, when you talk about grace from the Bible's perspective, you're usually talking about God's undeserved favor. Well, when Scripture says that Jesus was full of grace, it, means, it does mean that he had a winsome personality. He was kind and loving. He demonstrated such grace to people who did not deserve it. Jesus' greatest demonstration of grace, though, is seen in his death on the cross to save undeserving sinners like you and me. That's also the Father's greatest demonstration of grace. He sent Jesus into this world, as the Scripture says in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. Look at the word truth. We usually think of that simply, or it's the opposite of false. Remember those true-false tests in school? Well, that's how the word is used in the Bible at times. But the word is broader in the Bible. The word truth in the Bible is sometimes translated faithful, reliable, trustworthy. God, a lot of times, is referred to as a God who is reliable, he's faithful, he's trustworthy, talking about he's true. Well, Jesus described God's word as truth in John chapter 17. John 17 is Jesus' prayer. And Jesus, in the course of praying, said, your word, talking to the Father, your word is truth. That should give us confidence when we read the Bible, whenever you read it, whenever we look at this passage this morning, that is God's faithful, reliable, and trustworthy word. Now, get back to Jesus. When the scripture says that Jesus was full of truth, it means that he embodied, he demonstrated, and he taught the reliable, faithful, trustworthy truth of God. Jesus was always full of both grace and truth. He balanced them both in the way that he lived, the way he interacted with people, and in the things that he taught. Now, as Christians, we are followers of Jesus. He is the one we are to become like. God's working in us to enable us to become like Him. We need to learn to balance grace and truth just like He did. We need to learn to balance it today. So, number two, how can we be people of grace and truth? First thing I want us to understand is we cannot on our own. We will struggle and everyone in this room, you have a tendency to be more the person of truth or more the person of grace. But the idea is we need to be both, just as Jesus was both. Well, by the power of the Spirit of God who lives within us, we can develop more balance. If you're struggling with grace, by God's grace, help, enablement, you can become more gracious. You can learn to speak the truth in love, so to speak. But in order for that to happen, 
we've got to, first of all, right now, start by admitting, admitting where we are out of balance. Some of us in this room, we are more focused on truth to the neglect of grace. Some of us know this very well. Some of us maybe don't even worry about it because we think truth is so much more important. Some of us, we like to emphasize and talking about the issues of this, that I've been looking at the last uh, three months. Some of us like to really emphasize the sinfulness of same-sex marriage. We like to really major on what's wrong in this country, in other people's lives, and just really hammer it home with no thought of grace, of mercy, of showing love to those who disagree. That can make us come across as harsh, as angry. That can cause some people to think we hate the sinner just like we hate the sin. A commitment to truth with no grace turns people against the Christian faith. It's not enough just to be right, just to believe right, think right, speak right, condemn what's wrong. That can turn a lot of people off, as Tom Rainer's research pointed out. That can turn a lot of people, just close the door to their even thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus. Now, in this room, there are other people who are more focused on grace to the neglect of truth. Some people in this room live in fear of offending someone else. They never want to ruffle anybody's feathers. And so in their attempt to never offend, they avoid the truth. Some people only focus on being gracious. And no matter what, they're not going to take a stand. They're not going to speak up. There are times when in trying to be gracious, trying to never cause controversy, trying to never rock the boat, there are times that our silence can make people think we disagree with the truth. We won't stand on the truth. That misrepresents what it means to be a Christian. No one can follow Jesus without embracing the truth of God's word. And the gospel message itself is offensive. Paul talks about that in, a great, in, in great length in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, on into chapter 2. The gospel message that we are sinners and can't save ourselves. And the only source of salvation is Jesus who died on a cross and arose from the grave. Paul said that's foolishness to pagans. The gospel is offensive. The truth of the word of God in many ways is offensive to today's culture. So what I want us to see is you cannot ignore the truth. Try to distance yourself from what the Bible says is clearly right and wrong and be a faithful follower of Jesus. But at the same time now, we're talking about balance. We've got to be people of grace and truth. Just as an airplane needs two wings to fly, Christians and churches 
need the two wings of grace and truth in order for the gospel to fly as God intends for it to. Right now, we in this room, we need to ask God to help us to be both a person of grace and a person of truth. Here's a a thought on how to do that. We need to learn to look at people as Jesus did. Jesus looked at people with love, compassion, with mercy. We need to understand that no one is beyond God's ability to save, to change, to forgive. No one is beyond God's ability to to make a child of God. So we can't just write people off. And that applies to people in any kind of sinful lifestyle. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. You know, many people like the hymn, Amazing Grace. For a lot of people, it's their favorite one. Uh, One of the hymns that more people know than any other probably. Well, if we really believe what we sing when we sing it, if we really believe that God's grace is amazing, well, we need to act like it. We need to never write anybody off, think no one can be touched by God, changed by God, and made a Christian. In fact, we need to be channels of God's grace and God's mercy for people. You know, many times God works through our witness, our example, our words, our encouragement, maybe even our confrontation. So we need to be people who, to be gracious, we need to look at people as Jesus did through these eyes of of grace and mercy. Number two, we need to look at life as Jesus did according to the truth of God's word. We need to understand that no one is exempt from living life the way God describes it in his word. Every human being on the face of the earth is going to stand before God on judgment day and they're going to give an accounting of their life and it's going to be, God's going to evaluate it based on the truth of his word, the moral principles, ethical principles of his word. Now, everybody's going to be evaluated according to their relationship with Jesus, but the Bible says much about we're going to be evaluated according to how we've lived and the standard is revealed in God's Word. Now, what I want to ask you to do this morning, admit where you are on this continuum of grace and truth. I want to ask you to make a commitment with God's help to become a more balanced person and be both gracious and truthful. Let's just be more specific now. Some in this room need to focus more on being a person of grace. I'm in that category. I know that. A lot of you in that category, you know that. We have a tendency sometimes to focus so much on the truth, on what we know is right, that we just, we're not gracious about it. Here's here's a, thing we need to realize. We can be right about a lot of things, but because we emphasize the truth in such a a harsh, 
unloving kind of way, we don't have the effect on people that we want to have. We don't help people come along and embrace the truth. Not because of what we believe, but the way we express it. The way we don't listen to other people. The way we don't try to be gracious in maybe convincing them. And that may be the case in your home. Or where you work, your friends at school. Truth is, sometimes we can turn people against the truth because of our lack of grace, our lack of mercy, our lack of love. I want to challenge you, if this is your problem, you're all about the truth, you're all about what's right, to the neglect of grace, focus more on being gracious. Ask God to help you to see it. Ask God to help you see how you turn people off. Not because of the truth, but the way you portray or speak about the truth. And keep in mind that grace is undeserved. You don't wait until somebody deserves it to show them this kind of grace. You give it while they're still undeserving. Just like God shows it to us. Now, some people in this room, you need to become more, more committed to the truth. Think about it. Are you so gracious that you don't ever want to rock the boat in any situation? Are you reluctant to ever take a stand on a controversial issue because you're afraid of offending someone? Do the people you work with, people you go to school with, people you associate with, do they not know where you stand on the issues of today? Because you'll never speak up. You'll never let it be known. Because you just can't stand controversy. You're afraid of potential conflict. I want to encourage you. Believe God's word and don't be ashamed to believe it, to talk about it, to live it. When the Bible is clear, and I want to emphasize this, when the Bible is clear about something being morally right or wrong, you can't be afraid to embrace that. You can't be afraid that somebody's going to find out about that. You've got to learn to believe the truth, take a stand on the truth, and when needed, speak that truth in love as Paul tells us to. God's goal for every Christian is that we become like Jesus, demonstrating a balance of grace and truth. God will use us as people of both grace and truth, to be effective witnesses for Him, to be effective representatives of Him everywhere we go in life, this way. God will use a church that is full of grace and truth to impact a community. 
If you are a Christian, I want you to ask the Lord right now to help you to develop this balance of grace and truth in your attitude. That's where it begins, in your heart, within you. And then in your words, the way you talk about people, the way you talk about issues, the way you debate. And there's nothing wrong with the debating. There's nothing wrong with discussions. There's nothing wrong with having discussions where you, the other person disagrees with you. That is actually healthy. It used to be a part of the political process in our country to have civil debate, to speak and listen. And you didn't have to agree. But you heard facts. You heard reality. Not little sound bites designed to cut people down or to avoid serious discussions as is the case today. We, me, all of us, we need to ask God to help us develop this balance. And I want to encourage you in, in this politically hostile time. Don't compromise the truth. Don't be afraid of it. Don't run from it. But at the same time, don't beat people over the head with it. Don't cut people with it. Speak the truth in love. Be gracious. Allow people to agree to disagree. If you are not a Christian, I want to encourage you this morning to come to Christ now. Admit your need of a Savior. Admit your sin and repent of it. Turn from it. Put your trust in Jesus that His death on the cross was for you. Commit your life to Him. Commit your life to being a person of grace and truth like Him with the help that He'll give you. I want to stress it again. It is only through, with God's help that we can live as people of grace and truth. Both. So right now, listen to the Lord because He's speaking to just about everybody in this room. I need to be more of a person who will stand for the truth. Or I need to be a person who will speak the truth in love more. I need to be more gracious in the way that I live out and talk about the truth. So listen to the Lord now. Ask Him to help you. And respond to Him in whatever it is He's calling you to do. Would you pray with me? Father, help us right now to hear you. To listen carefully. Help us to see, dear God, that it's not enough just to believe and stand for the truth of your word. We need to do it in the right way. Lord, help me as pastor of this church not to speak the truth in anger, in frustration. Help us as a church not to speak of the truth, promote and defend the truth, in ungracious, unloving kinds of ways. Lord, help every individual in this room to not misinterpret boldness for the truth of your word with anger, bad attitudes, hateful spirits as they discuss and 
defend the faith. Lord, I pray for people in this room who, who are gracious but afraid to offend when it comes to standing upon your word. Help them, dear God, to know that silence, while is great on many occasions, it's not always good. It's not always healthy. Help them to know, dear God, that while they should never seek controversy, sometimes being faithful to the truth is controversial, even costly. Lord, you know where each of us needs work to achieve this balance. Lord, we know we'll struggle with it till we die or Jesus comes back. But help us not to accept just totally focusing on either extreme. Help us to desire right now and then put forth the effort day by day, situation by situation, to be both people of grace and truth, just like Jesus. And that's just an attitude of prayer to listen to the Lord and respond to Him. Do what He's calling you to do right now. Make that kind of commitment.